listeners, this is PSG Talk contributor Mark Damon, and this is PSG Small Talk for Monday, November 12th, 2018. On today's show, we will talk about PSG's 4-0 victory at the Stade Louis-Dieu against the uh, moribund AS Monaco, and I'll give my thoughts on some um, football leaks, let's call it like that. Um, and I, honestly, I really don't want to like get into great detail about some of this stuff, because I just, and you know what, while we're here, we might as well just start with it. I, I feel like this last week has been, and I'm not going to call it an attack, because that seems way too sort of defensive, as a member of sort of the PSG community, to sort of feel like we're under attack by certain members of media and certain media groups, but... It's very hard to go through this week and not kind of feel like you're being attacked. And you start with the initial leaks about Qatar and about the money they uh, they infused into the club and what certain people may or may not have done. And I think a lot of that was conjecture. And I think a lot of that is piecing a story together to create a narrative that sounds really cool and that gives you a lot of intrigue, but it, it, it's not—it's not to me that big of a deal. Like people, honestly, I don't think people remember that going forward. I don't think it's really going to lead to anything. Or the France two thing about PSG's players getting certain bonuses for doing certain things, ethical bonuses about, you know, clapping after a game in front of the in front of the supporters is like a thing on the checklist that you could get extra money for on your ethical bonus. I don't think that's all that big of a deal. And again, it, it was sort of framed as oh, PSG are getting paid to clap, you know, or paid to greet the supporters. And it's like, no, they're getting ethical bonuses that are put into a lot of professional sports contracts. I mean, most professional sports contracts have some sort of ethical bonus or some sort of ethics clause. It's not new. I mean, that's how a lot of contracts are able to get broken over time, which is, the ethical clause in the contract, which is we can terminate this deal if you're not uh, following the law or you get arrested or you do something wrong on the field that's up, you know, above and beyond the pale. But I think to try to put that in there and to try to say that PSG are trying to artificially create a relationship between the fans and the players... I, th- I think that's just stupid. I, I don't feel like, as a as somebody who thinks logically, as somebody who approaches this from a neutral perspective, that this would be some sort of issue. Like, you'd have any issue with this sort of being one of many sort of benchmarks in an ethics contract or an ethics bonus clause like, I wouldn't think twice about it. And these people that report this, I think, are doing it in a purpose to try to shame the club. And I feel like there is a sense of malice to that. 
not as much as the next thing I'm about to talk about, but there's a sense of malice and a sense of trying to humiliate as opposed to trying to report and trying to make a difference in the world, which is what you should be trying to do as a reporter. Reporting is not just stealing documents and putting them out without context. That's not reporting. Reporting to me is being able to take your able to take your information that you have received, put context around it, and explain it to people in a way where it makes, you know, it makes sense, but also where you're sort of fixing a problem or shining a light on a problem. This is not a problem. This is just something in a contract. And it's not, by exposing it, you're not advancing a cause. You're not making the world better. All you're doing is prying into private business, taking something, putting it out of context, and using it to try to humiliate somebody or to try to sell subscriptions and to, and to get ratings. That, to me, is not journalism. That is, that's what tabloids do. That's, the, that's why we have them. And I feel like France, too, should be sort of beyond that. And media part, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it, should be beyond that. Media part, football leaks. Which brings me to this one. And, and this one really sort of angered me. And I'm trying to measure my words because I really don't want to sound like a raving lunatic or to sound like a partisan hack, because I feel like that will undermine the general point that I'm trying to make. So if I'm sort of slow and stumbling through some of this, just bear with me. There was a report in Mediapart, another uh, round of football leaks, that between somewhere between mid-2013 and early 2018, PSG scouts had a policy of having younger recruits, younger uh, recruits to the academy, fill out their race and their origin, or their, their uh, not really their race, but their kind of regional origin. So African, West African, etc. And it would be on a form, just like it would be on a census form, or it would be on some sort of... Uh, government form that you have to fill out that you would put or have the option to put what your race or your nationality is. Sometimes those forms allow you to sort of opt out of that question. Now, PSG do not deny that this form was the way it was. They didn't deny it. And they put out a really long statement sort of explaining how these sort of under, you know, underlings, for lack of a better term, because it wasn't the majority of the, of the, in, it wasn't the top people, as they said it. It was the people at the sort of mid-level scouting department who decided to put these sort of uh, questions in. And you have to assume that there was a purpose for doing that. Now, media part, and this is where I have the main issue and the main concern with this reporting, 
they assume, based on anecdotal evidence from people that they talked to who were in the organization, but maybe not necessarily high up in the organization, they assume that this was racism. That these scouts or these people or whoever they said, and they, and they implied that it was the top levels, that was their implication through their omission, that Paris Saint-Germain did not want African players in their club. They wanted to restrict the number of African players in their club. And they wanted to limit it to people sort of scouting-wise within the France region. So it gets really sort of murky at this point. Because media part is essentially talking out of both sides of their mouths. And they're essentially misinterpreting what racism actually is. So, for those of you keeping score at home, racism has to do with race. It's in the name. If you've looked at PSG's scouting over the last five years and the players that they've brought up through their developmental uh, academy system, if you just look at pictures of the teams... They are a majority African descent academy. There are not a lot of white people there. There are not a lot of native-born white French people there. There's a lot of native-born African French players of African descent. But, again, what is racism? It's in the name. You can't make an argument that Paris Saint-Germain is a racist organization, which is what Mediapart tried to do, implicitly tried to do, through the omission of certain facts, through the lack of context. That's what they did. They took this form, and they used this form to create a narrative, a narrative implicitly and explicitly, that PSG used racist tactics to limit the amount of African players that they signed, which is not true because most of their academy is of African descent. Does it necessarily matter where they came from? Not really, because that's a different question. You're asking a di- you're 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 leveling a different charge. <coughs> what you're saying in this case is that PSG profiled based on certain criteria, race being one of them, to fill out their academy system, that you can make that, you can make that argument. And I feel like if you make that argument in its full context, you would be able to have a real conversation about race in France, how the French see race, the flaws in how the French see race, which I've talked about on Twitter at times, and I'll, I'll kind of paraphrase here, which is France has a law against putting race on sort of what essentially is a hiring form or an application. So you can't ask the applicant what their race is. And PSG violated that law by on these forms asking for somebody's race. But that is not racism. Racism is something different. Racism is 
creating a disadvantage based on somebody's race. And besides a couple of anecdotal stories that may or may not be true, that have no corroborating evidence, they can't make that claim. The only thing Mediapart can say is that PSG profiled in an inappropriate way. They cannot claim systematic racism. That is wrong. That is absolutely wrong. And it's unfair because they never allowed, in that story, PSG to defend itself. They never created the counterbalance or talked to the... Let's put it this way. Did they talk to Presnel Kimpembe? Did they talk to Musa Diaby? Did they talk to Yassine Adley? Did they talk to Stanley and Sulky? Did they talk to Tim Weah? Did they talk to any of the dozens upon dozens upon dozens of players of African descent that play in PSG's academy? They did not talk to a single one of them. Not a goddamn one of them. That is journalistic malpractice. That is yellow journalism, meant to shock, meant to create buzz, but not meant to get to the truth, not meant to tell a full story, a complicated story. And the complicated story here is that Paris Saint-Germain, as a brand, as a business, just as a pure business, has expanded so rapidly and so quickly in such a short period of time since the Qatari takeover that there have been some oversights, and actually there have been a bunch of oversights, in how the club is run. The club is dysfunctionally run. Part of that is because, one, it expanded way too fast for its own good, and two... The Qataris don't know how to run a football club, or very early on, definitely didn't know how to run a football club. Now they're starting to learn, and they're putting people in place to help them with that. Jean-Claude Blanc is an example of a guy that they've put in who is helping them run a competently, you know, a competently run football team. So... Within this sort of massive expansion, and let's include the massive expansion of their scouting department. Now your scouting department has more or less unlimited ability to go around the world and scout people, which they did not have the ability to do before. And that main part, PSG scouting was good, but it was also on its budget. Now you have this expanding business with this expanding scouting department. And you're not expecting there to be some bad actors or some you know or some oversight issues there absolutely were oversight issues and i feel like psg as this experiment and that's what this is it's an experiment as this club goes forward they're going to have to figure out how to prevent these kind of things from happening again cuz i'm not saying that what psg did was right i'm saying it was wrong but it's not racism. I, I live in America. I understand what racism is because America is possibly the most racist country on earth in certain aspects. It's one of them. <laughs> I may say that's overly, but it's one of the historically, let me put it like that so that we're all fair and I don't get hate mail. 
the most historically racist countries in the world. We have slavery longer than a lot of the major developed countries in the world, probably longer than any majorly developed country in the world. We've had Jim Crow laws. We've had lynchings. We've had, the, we've had race riots for hundreds of years. We've had the prison system in this country essentially take a generation of young black men and put them in jail for misdemeanor crimes like possession of pot and sending people away for 20 years for ounces of cocaine. That's what we've done in this country. So to me, racism is something different than writing something on a form. That's not racism to me. That's profiling. It's wrong, but it's not racism. It's not systematic racism meant to oppress. That's a different thing. And we have to put all of that in context, which is why I think the, and I'll get hate mail for this too, but the French have a very warped sense of race. And what I mean by that is you can't pretend it doesn't exist. And in France, a lot of the time, I feel like they try to pretend it doesn't exist. Sweep it under the rug. We don't talk about it. It's not an issue anymore. We're past all of it. We don't have to talk about it. We don't have to say anything. Meanwhile, millions of African of millions of people of African descent live in Parisian suburbs below poverty lines. Millions. And nobody does a damn thing about it. Same thing in the United States. We're aware of it. At least we talk about it. In France, those people can be invisible. And I bring all this up, and I and I sort of go into detail, and I don't want to go into too much because I'm going long already, but I just want people to understand my perspective on this. PSG made a mistake. But to call what they did systematic racism based on a form and hearsay is reckless, it is dangerous, and it is wrong. It is a dereliction of journalistic integrity. And I feel bad for real journalists in France that do this reporting and do it right because some people want to make a buck. And some people want to cause a buzz. And some people want to be WikiLeaks and football leaks who aren't, who have no integrity. And they have no integrity because they don't contextualize it. They don't explain it. They just dump it on your doorstep and let you imply the worst. So I'm done with that. Uh, it was very frustrating this week. I, I, was very, I, I, I was very upset at the whole way that that was handled and the whole way that that was talked about. So let's move on to uh, the game yesterday. Um, poor AS Monaco. And I, I shouldn't have sympathy for them because this is the this is the environment that they've created. They are the authors of their own pain here. But man, I feel bad for the 100 or so fans that they have. I feel terrible because two years ago you had this young, exciting championship team that 
took the league by storm, knocked PSG on its ass, won the title, had all these great young players, went to the semifinals of the Champions League, farther than PSG have ever gone, and their owners just sell everybody. They just, they fire sale. They sell everything that wasn't nailed down. They kept like two guys, and then they ended up selling those two guys. And what's what I think is upsetting to me about it is that Monaco could have sold Kylian Mbappe. They could have sold Bernardo Silva, and they could have left it there. They could have used the money that they spent for Kylian Mbappe. They could have bought a bunch of good, solid players who were ready to play at a high level. What they did instead was they bought a bunch of 15-year-olds and a bunch of 16-year-olds. And for months and months, all I hear from the French football snobbery collection is, Ooh, look at all these great young players they're signing. They signed this 14-year-old from Tanzania. Ooh, so good. Buh, 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 buh. And now they're bottom of the table. You know why? Because you can't bastardize the system like that. Sell all of your good players. Buy a bunch of 16-year-olds who are three to four years from ever being able to be put in a game. And somehow think you're going to be fine. Not replace your aging center backs. Not sell off Jibril Sidibe when he was at his peak, if he ever really had a peak. Buying people like Yuri Tielemans who didn't work out, or Keita Balde who didn't work out. Selling them off to the highest bidder the minute you can. That, to me, is... And we talk about dereliction of duty. That was dereliction of duty. Now your owner's been arrested... For corruption, not Nasser, but your Monaco owner has been arrested. You have a club that's bottom of the table. You tried to get an infusion with Thierry Henry, who's never coached a meaningful game in his life. And now you're you're being demolished in a game that, quite frankly, PSG didn't play that well. One like PSG was just dominating everything. They, PSG were in second gear. They were in maybe early second year, second gear. And they whooped that ass. I'm sorry. Like, Monaco should be ashamed of themselves for just how arrogant they were in this strategy. Not understanding that, like Leicester City, and let's talk about Leicester City for a second. Same kind of situation. They had a good core of young players. They won the Premier League. They didn't sell everybody. They kept a good core of players. They kept... Jamie Vardy, they kept Huth, they kept Wes Morgan, they kept um, they kept Riyad Mahrez two years longer than he was expected to be there. But you know what? Leicester City are still competitive. They're not going to win the Premier League again, probably. But that their owner, who tragically died a couple weeks ago, didn't just sell everybody. He didn't just sell everyone to make a buck. He kept that team relatively together, sold some of the key pieces, but he had to sell some of the key pieces because you'd still need to make money. You still need to 
infuse the club, but look what they did with the money that they've used to sell players. They're getting ready-made, not prospects, ready-made talent that they can put in and can start. Monaco have not done that, which is why you had the results you had yesterday. PSG scored two early goals, two early Edinson Cavani goals. Neymar, uh, beautiful pass-slash-shot, depending on who you ask. Uh, Cavani taps it in, ref calls offside, they go to VAR, overturn it. 11th minute, uh, Musa Diaby breaks down the right hand to the left hand side, dribbles past the keeper, ball kind of squibs to the middle of the box, Cavani taps in with his boot, once again, ref calls offside, VAR overturns it. So this game had four VAR overturns based on bad offside calls. I think by the same official. So there was one line judge in that game who was having a really, really terrible game. Um, overall, performance-wise, again, Monaco were just god-awful. I, I, I don't know what you take from this. I would say main takeaways, Tilo Kerr is a real player. I actually think we underpaid for him. He's a very good defender. He's a very good one-on-one defender, especially in the box. Like He was making some really good last-second deflections and tackles inside the box, outside the box on the wing. He's versatile in that way. He can play out wide. He can be a defender out wide. He can be a defender in the box. He can play in a back four as a center back or a or a uh, fullback, he can play as a center back in a back three. I really think we underpaid for this guy. He's versatile as all hell, and he just sort of, I just think he sort of has figured out, um, he's just sort of figuring it out. And I, I appreciate that instead of signing the aging Jerome Boateng, PSG went and they took a gamble on a young player who's only going to get better and better and better as we go along. So I, I'm, I'm happy about that. I think Julian Draxler has finally sort of locked up his spot after a year and a half, two years. And that's good for me too. Because I've always been a fan of Julian Draxler. I think he's a gifted football mind. Like, I think he's a guy that could be a coach in 10 years or 15, 20 years. I think he's super intelligent on the ball. He gets the ball, and he's looking for the next pass immediately. He's not looking to – he's not Adrian Rabio, who started in this game, by the way. Whoop-de-doo. Um, he's not looking to dawdle on the ball. He's not looking to dribble through people. He gets the ball. And he's thinking like a computer. Okay, where's the next pass going to go? I'm looking here. He's not open. Here, here, here. Let me just pass it back and let's root rotate it again. He doesn't make mistakes. He's not making stupid challenges. He just regulates the game really well. And he also has that side of him where he has the flair to make moves and to dribble himself out of trouble. And he can make runs into the box. And he can finish. What's not to like? And, you know, there's people in the PSG universe who are pining for 
Giovanni Lachelso, like some sort of scorned ex-lover, when you have a guy who's better than Giovanni Lachelso right there. Julian Draxler is a better player. He's fundamentally a better player. Lachelso has some flash. Lachelso can dribble really well. Lachelso is a good attacking midfielder. But for what PSG need, Draxler's the better guy. And uh, Tomas Tuchel got that right. Um, Cavani, good to see him get that hat trick. He scored in, I think, like the 51st minute or something, right after, right at the beginning of the second half. Great assist from Musa Diaby, started by a good uh, line splitter by Adrian Rabio. Cavani needed that. He absolutely needed to get back on track and to get hot. And sometimes, even if you're not a perfect fit for this system, and I still don't think Genson Cavani is a perfect fit here, if he's hot, if he's got that rhythm back and he's got that mojo back and he's making runs into the box and he's finishing with style, that's a great sign. And if he's going to be this Edinson Cavani, again, it was a terrible Monaco team, but if he's going to be this Edinson Cavani, absolutely he should be starting against Liverpool. Because that Edinson Cavani will finish in the box and get you a goal or two off the end of some really good movements by the Paris Saint-Germain attacking midfield and Neymar and Mbappe. And it looked like they were trying to feed him the ball. It looked like they were definitely trying to get him going. <clears throat> so that was good for that. Um, Neymar scored on a penalty kick. Again, I'm not going to go blow by blow in this one because, as I said, Monaco were sort of uh, terrible. So PSG did what they had to do, and they looked fairly good doing it. Kimpembe looked a little shaky, but that's because he's been inconsistent in his minutes. Um... Diaby, uh, very good. Two assists from him. Can't ask for more from a wing player. Um, and Kanku, again, hasn't played that much, so he's looking a little rusty. Hopefully they can get him some games here in the in the sort of tail end of the year, you know, the tail end of November, December. And um, Adjun Rabio, um, he's Rabio. And I was kind of looking to see if he would try harder or look like he were try look like he was trying harder. He just sort of is what he is. And his style is relaxed. He looks like he's not trying all the time. Even when he is trying, he looks like he's not. So I would say he, I I still wouldn't start him over Helian Draxler. I think this is I think this is pretty much set right now. Maybe Rabio can change my mind. I'm just not sure about that. Um, yeah, I think that's about it for today. Uh, please visit uh, PSG Talk on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Subscribe to our podcasts, um, PSG Small Talk, which you're listening to right now, and PSG Talking, which will come out probably tomorrow. Um, good show for that. A lot of coverage of the Napoli game last week and uh, previewing what's coming in some very important weeks. We're about to go into the international break, so you probably won't hear from us uh, next week after that, but we'll be back for the Toulouse game, which is on the 24th, the Saturday after Thanksgiving in America. And the next game after that will be Liverpool at home, and that will pretty much decide PSG's Champions League fate. So 
tune in. Uh, make sure you're following us. As I said, all of those uh, all of those social medias. Uh, I'm at Mark Damon One. Um, you can also listen to PSG Talk on Football Nation Radio at www.footballnationradio.com. I'm not sure if this one's going to be on the Australia one or the PSG Talking one, but either way, I'll do the read. FNR covers all aspects of football from all over the world, so tune in on their website and follow them on Twitter and Facebook. They're streaming football 24-7 and love their football just as much as you do. So, um, that's, I think, about it. Uh, visit our Patreon. We I want to see how many. Actually, let me check to see how many uh, Patreons we have right now. I know this is riveting. Uh, this is riveting audio, but um, let's see how many Patreons we have. Um, Twenty-two Patreon members. That's double what we had in August. So, um, thank you to all twenty-two of you. Uh, we'd like to have more. We're going to keep giving you better and better content as we go along. So, um, for PSG Talk, this has been Mark Damon saying au revoir for now. <laughs>